Amen. Thank you. Uh, man, Christmas is coming, and uh, what a day. We get to celebrate the coming of God uh, to our rescue, and uh, so excited. This month, we've been talking about a, a special delivery, and in particular, a, a, a really a, a special deliverer, and kind of where we've been is uh, we started back in Genesis, and uh, we saw the first promise of His coming uh, upon the God's curse upon Satan that God would send one from the woman that would crush his head. Then we talked about the pathway, and we looked at how God, through uh, all kinds of people, sinful people, uh, foreign people, all kinds of people, came this family line that led to Jesus. Last week we talked about the particulars of Christ's coming. Though he was rich, for our sake he became poor, so that we might be rich. And uh, this morning the package is delivered. We're in Galatians chapter 4, and uh, we're going to look at verses 4 through 7. If you find your place, I want to invite you to stand, and we'll honor God's Word. So good to see you. So good to see Jim in the choir this morning. Y'all pray for him. He's feeling better, and uh, what, a, what a praise. And uh, Tom got good news this week, and so we just got a lot to, uh, to praise the Lord for, and uh, we're Going to beat our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Go, thank you all for giving. Don't, don't see. I, I hate to promote that too much because you might think, well, they don't need my. We, we want yours. We, we want to send more missionaries and tell people about Jesus. And so, uh, keep giving to that. But thank you for giving to that. Uh, I love to to meet those goes and pass them up. And uh, excited. I, preachers just love to preach on Christmas. Uh, week, just people are happy, and you get to tell the good news, and you have some visitors. Glad to see visitors with us this morning. I'll be in the back, back there at the end of the service. I'd love to meet you. I, I get really excited. I, I love all of you. Uh, all of you come through there today. I like to say hi to all of you, not just our visitors. So, need to get out of that. I, I got some. Uh, well, I'm not going to talk about this. Just, I got these snowballs for Christmas last night. And I just want to get those and. But this is more important. And so, uh, Galatians 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are a son, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Let's pray. Father, we're just, uh, we're just amazed that you would come, uh, you would send your son, that you so loved the world, that you would send your son to, uh, to earth and, and uh, live the life that Jesus lived and go to a cross and, and suffer and die in our place. We just thank you for that. We celebrate your coming. We celebrate what you accomplished for us when you came, the cross and the resurrection. And, and uh, Lord, we just pray this morning as we talk about your redemption and your adoption that that uh, you might bring others into your family today, and we would celebrate that. Uh, some people may experience the joy of Christmas, maybe for the first time today, as they, they come into your family and are able to call you Father. And Holy Spirit, we pray you give us ears to hear and receptive hearts. Uh, do that, Lord, we pray for your glory, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We'll jump right in there. <clears throat> So as we've been considering this special delivery of Christmas, uh, what do we know about this deliverer that is coming from God? Well, we know that there were many Old Testament scriptures that told us that a Messiah, an anointed one, uh, Emmanuel, God with us, was coming. 
And so hundreds of years before Jesus was, was born, the prophets foretold of his coming. And so let me just be quickly begin with the predictions of his coming, and we could spend a lot of time here, but let me just share a couple. First of all, Micah predicted the place of his coming. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But you, O Bethlehem, Epiphanah, now, that, you might say, well, what's that? That's just like saying uh, Florence, Kentucky, as opposed to Florence, South Carolina. This is Bethlehem, Epiphanah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days, or, or from everlasting. And so the prophet Micah said he'd be born in Bethlehem. We come to the New Testament. Uh, Matthew 2, 1 says that now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And so that was fulfilled. Uh, secondly, Isaiah predicted the process for his coming. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. What's the sign? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So uh, Isaiah, some 700 years before Jesus came, prophesied that Jesus would be born of a virgin. We come to the New Testament, and both Matthew and Luke attest to the fact that uh, of the virgin conception. Specifically, uh, it was already read that Luke, who is the physician, said in Luke 1.35 that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary. Now, there are some today who want to treat the, the virgin birth like it's a myth or an impossibility. Listen, folks, if you don't believe the virgin birth, then you might as well toss the whole Bible. It's either all true or it, it's a lie. And if it's a lie, it's worthless. Uh, but I just I, I believe all of this is God's truth. God has given it to us so we can know how it happened. And so I believe that Mary's pregnancy was brought about by the Holy Spirit. Now, some will say, well, preacher, that's just impossible. It's impossible for a virgin to, to have a baby. Well, listen, do you, do you believe the first verse, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth? There was nothing. It was God. He spoke, and everything came into existence. Do you believe that? Do you believe in chapter 2, verse 7, that God took the dust of the ground and formed Adam? Well, if you can believe that, then surely you can believe that God could take a sinful woman and, and bring forth really what the Bible calls the last Adam. The first Adam messed it up by sin. The last Adam, who is Jesus, would come and, and fix what Adam messed up. And what we see is the emphasis of the first Adam and the last Adam, who is Jesus, the emphasis is on God, not on man. So we go back to Genesis 3.15, and God promised that the seed or the offspring of the woman would ultimately destroy the serpent. And so God brought all that about by his own power, not by human effort. The virgin conception is a wonderful reminder that salvation is supernatural. Salvation comes from the Lord. So we, we, we fast forward through all the prophets, and, and we could come up with about 300 prophecies about the coming Messiah. And uh, they were fulfilled when, when Jesus came. Uh, but then we turn to the New Testament, and we come here to Galatia, and, and Paul is talking to the church there at Galatia, and he says in verse 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, we know that's Mary, born under the law. And so before we get into the actual delivery of, of the birth of Christ, let's consider the preparation of his coming. Paul specifically says when the fullness of time had come, or some translations, at just the right time. Well, what does that mean, just the right time? Well, it means that Jesus' birth in Bethlehem was no accident. Rather, it was a divine appointment. 
Why was it just the right time? Well, there are lots of reasons, and, and we don't have to get too deep into that, but we, we know the story of the Old Testament that God had brought His people to the Promised Land, and when they got there, they quickly began to worship the idols, the gods of the other nations, and, and God sent prophets, and He warned them and warned them, and yet they refused to turn back to Him. And so uh, they would be taken captive first by the Assyrians, and then by the Babylonians. But one of the things that happened when, when, when they were in Babylon in captivity is that they forsook their idolatry and, and they began to worship one God again. And that God was Jehovah. Another thing that happened during their captivity is that all the Old Testament scriptures were brought together. Uh, this was the time of Ezra the priest. And all those Old Testament scriptures were brought together uh, really under a single volume. And so the, the Jewish people had the, the, the scriptures, and they were able to read and study about this coming Messiah. Now, outside of uh, Israel, uh, well, also, the synagogues came into, into being. The temple had been destroyed when they were taken captive. And they began to, when they went back, they began to build these synagogues in various cities. It, they were places of worship. They're kind of the, the pattern from which we get our churches and then outside of Israel, around 350 uh, B.C., uh, some of you uh, historians will know that this guy called Alexander the Great came along, and, and, and basically he conquered all the, the known world. And because of his influence, the world became uh, Greek in, in culture and philosophy and in thought, and in particular it became Greek in, in language. And Greek was known throughout most of the, the world. And lines of communication were opened that, that had never been done before. And then uh, Rome succeeded Greece as the world power. And really there was a time right before Jesus was born that all the world was kind of united under one empire, the, the Roman Empire. And uh, that's really a, a big deal because uh, they had what they called Pax Romana, which was uh, Roman peace. And it kind of prevailed, and the Romans, uh, they built road systems and postal systems, and they opened up lines of communications and, and uh, this infrastructure that had never been present before. All that came into play. And, and uh, now, uh, when we think about this timing, it wasn't as if God was just sitting in heaven watching it all and saying, whoa, this is neat, this might be a good... No. He, he's working all this out. Uh, this is his plan. In his sovereignty, he was designing this time in history for this moment for his son to step out of heaven into our world. And so as God was preparing all this, little did Caesar Augustus know that when he called for a census to be taken, that, that he was doing God's will by requiring people to go to their, their home of origin. And therefore, uh, Joseph and, and Mary went back to Bethlehem, right where Jesus would be born. And, and we know that it all fulfilled the Scriptures. God made sure everything was prepared, and at just the right time, He sent forth His Son. Can I assure you something today? God's timing is always perfect. God's timing is always perfect. Uh, he works in our lives at just the right time, and, and sometimes He's not quick enough for us, and we think we need to, no, His timing is perfect. Listen, He's all wise. He never makes a mistake. He, he, uh, he does all things well. 
And so when Jesus was born, there had been no prophecies from God for over 400 years. The, the last chapter of the Old Testament is Malachi. Malachi the prophet, before the, the people would hear anything from God would be 400 years. And then we come to the Gospels and we know that Jesus was born. And the, the people were waiting for a deliverer. And at just the right time, in the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son. And it's worth noting this morning there's a, that uh, He has another appointment. You all know Jesus is coming back. And uh, he, He's appointed a time for His return. We don't know when it is, but there are a lot of people who aren't ready. And church, that's our job. We're to go proclaim this good news of Jesus so that people will turn from their sins and believe upon Jesus and be ready for His return. But at just the right time, God sent forth His Son. This is the seed of the woman, the, the Lamb of God, Emmanuel, God with us, the Messiah, the promised one. At just the right time, God sent Him forth. And so we realize that that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in that dingy manger, this baby that we celebrate at Christmas was God became man. The God of creation came in the form of a baby. Often the, the greatest gift that, that someone gives is that of themselves. And that's exactly what God did. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. For God so loved the world, He sent His Son. God loved us so much that He would send Jesus, born of a woman. And it says born under the law. And so that just reminds us that, that Jesus was, was not just simply a man. More specifically, He was a Jewish man. He grew up in a Jewish home. Uh, he attended Jewish synagogues, and he perfectly fulfilled all the demands of the law of God, his righteousness. We'll talk about that. And so uh, the predictions of his coming, the preparations for his coming, what about the purposes? Why, why would Jesus come? Well, thankfully, Paul makes it pretty easy for us preachers in verse 5. He gives us two reasons, and I want to spend a few minutes talking about them. The first reason is redemption. Verse 5 to redeem those who were under the law. You see, the law brought condemnation because we can't keep the law. Well, you try to keep the law, but we can't. We're lawbreakers. Uh, but Galatians 4, 5 tells us that He came to redeem those who were under the law. Uh, some of you thought that Jesus came so we'd have another holiday. And uh, I like holidays, but that's not why He came. No, He came with a purpose. It was His purpose and His pleasure to come to our rescue, to provide redemption, to provide salvation. That word redeem, ex agarazzo, it means to redeem, to ransom, to, to pay a price. This word redeem kind of has two ideals that go along with it. The first is to purchase, and the second is to liberate, to purchase and to liberate. And it kind of comes from the slave market. Uh, there were lots of slaves during the Roman Empire. Lots of reasons that people would become slaves, but there are really only two ways to uh, be set free. Either the master set you free, or someone had to come and, and redeem you by the payment of a price uh, for your freedom. Now, how many of you know that you were a slave? Some of you still are. And I know people saying, oh, I'm, no, I'm no slave. Listen, uh, Jesus said in John 8, 34, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Anybody here committed sin? Anybody here transgressed God's instructions? Well, the Bible says you are a slave, and, and there are consequences for, for sin. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. And the more bad news, you can't free yourself from 
from your sins. No matter how hard you try, you can't free yourself from being a sinner. And it gets worse. Sin ruins your relationship with God. I mean, God's holy. He hates sin. Sin separates us from God. And I know it's Christmas, and you're saying, well, surely you've got some good news. I do. That baby born in a manger in Bethlehem came to redeem you from your sins. You say, well, how did he do that? Well, the gospel tells us how he did it. The gospel tells us that, that Jesus was God. Jesus became fully man. The difference between him and us is that he was sinless. He perfectly kept the law. He was no slave to sin. And because he was God, because he became man, because he was free, he was not a slave. Because he was free, he was able to pay the price for our freedom. And that price was his life. And that's why Jesus had to go to the cross. Listen, Jesus was born to die. We talked about this a little bit uh, Wednesday night. We was in Philippians 2. We, we, we all do everything we can to avoid death, and yet Jesus came with the purpose to die, to die in our place to redeem us from sin and from our slavery to sin. We talked about it last, last week, Matthew 20, 28. I, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. To give his life as a ransom for many. I, I love John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Uh, but here's what we know from this passage. The Lord didn't stop there. He didn't just come to set you free from your slavery. He wanted a relationship with you. And so if we keep reading in verse 5, so that we might receive adoption as sons. The second purpose of his coming was our adoption. This word adoption means that uh, it is a man's giving of the status of sonship to someone who is not his natural child. Listen, we are not naturally God's children. Some people talk about the universal fatherhood of God. No, we're by nature children of wrath. Uh, John 8, 44 says that, that our father is the devil. That, that's who we are by nature. We can become his son, though, by divine adoption. Anybody awake this morning? Let me get one of those snowballs. And Listen, Jesus, right there. I brought him up here for some reason. Y'all wake up. Jesus didn't just come to set you free, but he came to adopt you into his family. Bruce Barton said, in Roman culture, a wealthy man could take a slave and make the slave his child and heir. The adopted person was no longer a slave. He became a full heir, guaranteed all legal rights to his father's property. He was not a second-class son. He was equal to all the other sons in the father's family. And so, yeah, listen, Christmas and Easter, they're, they're kind of our favorite days to preach. And, and yet, Brother Jim, you know, they're kind of the hardest because we don't want people to miss the significance. First of all, for Christmas, we don't want you to miss the significance of Christ's coming. And at Easter, we don't want you to miss the significance of the, the cross and the, and the resurrection. I really want you to, to grasp the, the glory of Christ's coming. Uh, over the years, I, I've gotten calls from people and said, uh, Brother Harry, we've gotten our date for adoption. As a matter of fact, a couple of years ago, I got some pictures I, of uh, we had a family that were adopting a, a child that they fostered for a while, and we filled up the whole, they had to go get us a new room because we had so many people there to celebrate. But they, they'd say, we got the date to, to go over there to, to get this child or the date where this is going to be official. And, and I got to thinking about adoption. That, this may be the greatest gift of Christmas, our adoption into God's family. 
And so listen, Jesus was not just born to set you free, but to set your place at God's table, to invite you into his family, to welcome you to a new family, to make you a beloved child of God. C.S. Lewis says the Son of God became a man to enable men to become the sons of God. Now, listen to this. J.I. Packer says, Adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers, higher even than justification. Justification is where we're declared righteous. Our sins are forgiven. He says it's higher than that. This may cause raising of eyebrows, for justification is the gift of God on which Since Luther, evangelicals have laid the greatest stress. And we are accustomed to say, almost without thinking, that free justification is God's supreme blessing to us sinners. And it is a blessing. And he goes on and explains that justification is the primary blessing because it meets our our primary spiritual need. We, We need justification. We need our sins to be forgiven. And we need Jesus' righteousness given to us. We need that. I'm thankful for that. But then Packer says, but this is not to say that justification is the highest blessing of the gospel. Adoption is higher because of the richer relationship with God that it involves. And so I just want to talk about adoption for just a a couple more minutes. Listen, justification makes us right with God the judge. Again, justification, he sees us as if we never sinned. He, he forgives our sins. He gives us the righteousness of Christ. When he looks at me, he don't see my sinfulness. He sees the right. Listen, it makes us right with the judge, but adoption, we are loved by God the Father. In justification, the picture is legal. We stand before a judge who makes a pronouncement not guilty. We are guilty. We're sinners. But through faith in Christ... God forgives our sins, and He declares us not righteous, and that's awesome. Amen? But in adoption, listen, church, the judge not only declares you're not guilty, but He takes, he steps off the bench, and He comes down to where you are. He takes your chains off, and He says, come home and be my son. Isn't that awesome? To think that you're not just free from your sins, but you're invited into the, the family of God. Packer says to be right with God, the judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater. And so Jesus came not just to forgive us, but to adopt us into his family. And that that leads to the last point this morning, the privilege from his coming. The privilege, verse 6, And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Y'all remember years ago when they used to have that commercial that MasterCard has its advantages? Y'all remember that? Well, listen, sonship has its advantages. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, you're no longer a slave, but you're a son. And you've been adopted into the family of God. You've been indwelt by the, the Spirit of God. And you have the wonderful, awesome privilege of calling Almighty God your Father. Isn't that awesome? That word Abba is a term of endearment for young children. It's, it's like daddy or, or papa. It's, it's a relationship. It speaks of that, and that's the privilege that we have. It's the intimate relationship that we have with God, and we can call him our father. Packer says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child. And I, I don't think some people understand exactly what's all involved in being a Christian. But he says, find out how much they make of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, 
it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. And I want to grasp what it means to be a child of God. Listen, do you ever just stop and ponder and wonder at the amazement of it all? I feel like the church sometimes just they've lost the wonder of it all. That sinners can be made right with God and brought into His family. Isn't that awesome? Adoption is God's into God's family and the privilege of, listen, our Creator is... He's my father, and I, I don't have to have an appointment with him. I can just go be with him anytime I want to. His door is always open. The creator of the world calls me a son. And not just calls me a son, he treats me like a son. And so I want to ask you, do you know Jesus personally? Is he your Lord and Savior? And is, Do you know God as your father? You can. One last privilege is verse 7. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through, I mean, some of us get excited about some of the gifts, but listen, faith in Christ makes you an heir of the kingdom. This is a, I'm talking about an eternal inheritance. When we are born again, we, we reign and we'll reign and rule with Christ in the millennial kingdom. We have a dwelling place in heaven that's being prepared for us by Jesus Christ, John 14 tells us. And this is not all future. I don't have to wait till I get to heaven. Jesus said, I come that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. John 10, 10. Listen, we're invited as believers to live in a life, an abundant life with Jesus even now. And so have you considered the benefits and privileges that are ours because Christ came to redeem us and to adopt us into his family? Romans 8, 17. Believers are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. I mean, that's, that's incomprehensible to me. That when we come through faith in Jesus Christ, God forgives us, saves us, adopts us into his family, and gives us everything that his son possesses. We're fellow heirs, joint heirs with Jesus. Somebody want to say, wow. I'm sure some of you are going to get some really cool gifts this week. Maybe you already have, but some of you have never received the greatest gift offered. And that's the gift of salvation, forgiveness of your sins. Eternal life, adoption into the family of God. Listen, I want to tell you the good news is that this gift is offered to you this morning through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last week we talked about what happens when you receive this gift. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to as many as received Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. And so we are sinners. We are cursed by the law because we are lawbreakers. We couldn't keep the law. And Jesus Christ, would he left heaven to come to earth as a man to take our sins, to take our iniquities, to die on the cross for him, to redeem us and to save us. And listen, they put him in the grave. We know that. And on the third day, he arose again. And listen, this morning, he's alive today. And his death provided our redemption. He offers to forgive our sins and to adopt us into his own family. Listen, anybody want to receive the gift of forgiveness and adoption into the family of God. Listen, we're going to have an invitation in just a moment, and it's an opportunity for you to respond to, to the Word of God. I, I just want to quickly draw a few analogies real quickly between earthly adoption, and some of you have adopted before, earthly adoption and, and God's adoption. Uh, you, you know, adoption can be a long, tedious process. And uh, here's what I've learned about those who want to adopt. You've you got to be there at the right time, 
and you got to have all your forms filled out, and you have to be patient, and sometimes you have to wait and wait. You, you not only have to be there at the right time, you have to have the right qualifications, and they do all kinds of screenings and all that, and then you have to have a lot of resolve. And uh, you, you don't just accidentally adopt someone. It's purposeful. And earthly adoption is tough. And sometimes there are lots of heartaches. And with it brings lots of rewards. And I got to thinking about God's adoption as his children. Listen, Jesus came at just the right time. In the fullness of time. And he had the right qualifications. He, he was sinless. And he had the resolve to go to the cross to redeem us and adopt us in his family. And so I just want to say this. Just as earthly adoption isn't by accident, God's adoption of us isn't by accident. I want to read Ephesians 1, 3 through 5 before we close. Listen to this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's blessed us with every spiritual. Can you think about what all those are? Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Listen to verse 5. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. He pre- we don't have to argue about pre- He predestined us as adoption to invite us into his family. And so Jesus came to save children of wrath and sinners. And he offers to forgive our sins and to bring us into his family. And so this morning I want to offer you the greatest gift the forgiveness of your sins and adoption into the family of God. And listen, you've, you've been here this morning. You've come at just the right time. God's appointed for you to be here. And he offers a gift to you this morning. He invites you to come into his family. I pray you might receive that gift this morning. Will you stand with me and we'll pray. And Father, we just, uh, we're overwhelmed this morning at the thought of what you did for us in Christ. Lord, we don't deserve, I don't don't deserve to be in your family. You're a holy God. I'm a sinner. My thoughts and words, my actions. What I was thinking this morning about just uh, my failure to obey the Great Commission this week and thoughts that I had. Just, I'm a sinner, Lord. And that you would Forgive me of all my sins and bring me into your family. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, I pray I never get over the wonder of it all. And I pray this morning that that some eyes would be opened and some hearts would be receptive to the truth that, that by your coming, you have provided a way for men and women and boys and girls to turn from their sins, to, to be redeemed, to have their sins forgiven. The chains removed. And not only that, to be brought into your family. Lord, we pray you might save someone this morning. We would rejoice. We'd be so thankful. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you that you want us in your family. Thank you that you came to get us. Lord, we're on the auction block. Jesus stepped out of heaven to come and get us. Redeem some this morning. Save some this morning. Adopt some. Bring some into the family this morning. We, we pray you would do that. And we pray all this in Jesus' name.
Amen. I, I just want to invite some of you to receive your adoption this morning. We'd love to talk to you about that. Listen, some of you, you, you can leave here this morning with a new name. And that name is Christian. And a new father. God is your father. A new inheritance. An eternal inheritance with Jesus. You need to be saved this morning. Would you would you respond this morning? If you listen, maybe maybe you've been brought into the family and you haven't followed the Lord in baptism. Man. Publicly confess Jesus is Lord. If you want to join the church, we invite you to do that. If you want to partake of the Lord's Supper this morning, be reminded of all that Christ did for you. We invite you to respond this morning to the Word of God.